Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the NRL Bulldogs Fans Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Bulldogs Fans Podcast. Another week, so close, but yet so far away. I'm Scott and I'm joined by Matt. How are you, mate? Good, good. How are you? Yeah, I'd like to say good. hate losing the Manly. I don't yeah. know. I almost feel like the 60, whatever they put us on, put on us last year was better than losing by one. Not overall, but yeah. the heartbreak of the 13-12 yeah. defeat. Very frustrating, but, um, you know, we, we knew it was going to take some time for the team to gel, and I think that's, that's what we're seeing here. So we won't see the best of the Bulldogs until probably it's going around eight, round 10, around there. Um, it is, it, I'll tell you what, the most frustrating part, I think Trent Barrett mentioned it in the, the post-match press conference, um, or the two most fr- frustrating parts, and he mentioned both, uh, were one that we could have we could have won all three games, but we haven't. Um, and that try just before half-time. Mm. You could, you know, it was a slightly controversial decision to take the two at eight to six, uh, to go 10-6. You don't see that often in the modern-day game. But either way, um, looking back at the game, the game was lost when we gave up. Well, the difference was that try just before halftime. So, um, you know, good teams don't give up points just before and just after the halves. Um, good thing we didn't just after halftime in this one. But um, giving up those points just before halftime really cost us in the end. Mm. Well, we had some uh, bad news apart from the apart from the loss. It looks like Jack Harrington's season is over with the dislocation. Uh, worse than what they were hoping for. I don't know what the original diagnosis, they knew it was pretty bad, but they were kind of hoping for, yeah. like, you know, a return to play. In the best case scenario was about three, four weeks. But they're hoping for, like, eight weeks. But it looks like his season is done, which puts a, a strain on our back rower depth because that's a position we don't have usually problems with. But with Raymond Fatale and Mariner still on the sideline and his uh, progression's gone back a little bit, he's... Only running at seventy five percent of his body weight, which means he's not he's be good couple of weeks, even maybe even a month off his return. And Matt Dury also on the sidelines looking for a July August return. Um yeah. there's some quality back rowers on the sideline. There is, but look, it opens up an opportunity for possibly Joe Simpson or Reese Hoffman. Um, Simpson's been good in limited opportunities while being at our club. Hoffman uh, impressed during the trials. Mm, uh, so so the depth is still there in the second row. Another injury or two, we might be in some real real trouble. But um, it gives an opportunity for players like Joe Simpson or Reese Hoffman to come through. And I think it's fantastic that the club is now in a position where if a player does go down, there is depth in a um, in a majority of positions. Uh, I don't think we've been like this the last couple of years. We lose, we have an injury, and we're like, oh, oh no, we have to bring up a untrialed rookie type thing. Um, now with play, with names that we know, uh, players that we know playing reserve grade, um, even players like I know he's a prop, but Philip Makatoa. Uh, like he hasn't played top grade yet, but we, we know of him uh, mm. and, and like that. So there's definitely some depth. Um, Joshua Cook is another one. Uh, Declan Casey as well. Like those players, um, people know who they are. Mm. So the, so the depth has definitely got, gotten better. Another option is getting Arva Sinemenefengo back into the side and putting yeah. Tevita Pengo Jr. back on an edge. He's been playing yeah. in the middle the last couple of weeks, so that's another option. Yeah, as well. Well, 
I don't know about about you, Scotty, but I thought Tavita was very quiet on the weekend. Oh, yeah. Like honestly, didn't really notice him against Brisbane. I thought he was, you know, pretty decent. You know, getting the offloads, getting himself busy on the weekend. I thought, you know, a game where, uh, you know, the wet weather. It was absolute torrential rain at parts of that game. It was absolutely shocking. When you know it's not on TV that heavy, mm. you know it's absolutely, you know, shocking uh, yeah. weather. Um, usually, you know, you look at your your forwards. That's a, a slugfest, and he didn't really, you know, didn't really notice him in there, unfortunately. Yeah, and, and his stats um, don't make it any better. I think he ran for less than 100 metres um, on the field, so... So disappointing for Tavita after I was pretty impressed with him in week four. So mm-hmm. he was pretty pretty busy against Brisbane, but yeah, it was, it was uh, yeah. So we're going back into the Bulldogs manly game of a uh, thirteen twelve again. Mm-hmm. Well, like I said, it was so close, but yet so far away. Uh, goal kicking looks like a bit of an issue for the Bulldogs. Matt Burton hasn't been the greatest yeah. this season, but however, he when he strikes and misses them. He doesn't miss him by much. Even the one on the sideline, he just almost hit the post as well. Then the one he should have got uh, with Wakeham's try, yeah, yeah, smashing straight into the into the it's, woodwork. It's crazy to see um, how low his his percentages are, um, but I think it's a bit of a false economy, to be honest. He had a mm. bad bad kicking game um, Sunday night. Uh, the one right next to the post, pretty much. Well, I was halfway between the post and the sideline. He, he should have got that kicked straight into the post. I think that's the one that he'd be kicking himself about um, mm. as well, um, which would have made that penalty goal a bit more more interesting. Maybe the penalty goal was just to give um, Burton some confidence. <laughs> I think it could be. With the kicking. Yeah. Look, because his strikes actually aren't that bad overall. Like, they're just missing one way or another. Yeah, or, like I said, hitting the post. So you can kind of tell a really good goal kicker when they, the way they, I know it sounds weird, but my theory is the way they miss the goals on the sideline. Yeah. And, and if they're missing it by a mile, you kind of yeah. know they're not regulars, but he's just just pushing them a yeah. little bit too far. I think it's, he's just been unlucky. We haven't scored a ton of points. Mm-hmm. So I don't think the pool's big enough to have a, have a proper look at that yet. Because um, the interesting thing I thought too was that it, if the goal kicking was a major concern for Trent Barrett, does it open up the a door for Kyle Flanagan to get back in the team? Because he's kicking them pretty damn good yeah. in this last cup. Yeah, he hasn't missed many in the cup. Um, it's interesting. I would have thought that um, Flanagan would have got the shot over Wakeham. Uh, and saying that, that's another go to the changes for this week. Uh, before kickoff, a uh, shot came in for Ockenbaugh and Wakeham came in for Avarillo. Got to say, uh, in that first half especially, the Bulldogs looked a lot better with Wakeham in the halves. Um, having a a proper halfback and playing halfback, I think, made the world a difference, especially early on. Yeah, I thought Wakeham played a really good, had a really good start. He was dangerous. And the thing I thought about Wakeham, I, I don't know if Trent Barrett, the way he spoke to him, Trent Barrett at the start of the year said he was almost a different person coming to training. Mm. So... Uh, there was a, a, always a bit of specula- speculation, but people would say Wakeham didn't have the best attitude in games and all that, but it might have been confirmed by Barrett, I'm not sure, or he, he just improved. Um, Wakeham yeah. just looked like a man who was confident in his own ability. Even that that try he scored, that you know kick, behind, uh, kick and then he cleaned up uh, Manley's uh, error, 
and scored. Um, mm. He even had a run earlier as well. He put a kick in, which didn't lead to anything, but it was just, you know, confidence. He just looked like a confident Wakem, which haven't seen too much in top grade. It felt like he believed in himself and he believed he belonged in the NRL. And yeah, I don't so think I've seen that really too much from him in his started, career so far. Started to come of age a little bit, perhaps. Mm. Uh, and, and the other change, which I thought was uh, another positive one, was... Uh, Shop coming in for Ockenbaugh. Yep. Now, there's been a lot of, obviously, been a lot of talk about Jaden Ockenbaugh and his position mm-hmm. in the team. Um, Shop came in to replace him. Obviously, there was a bit of a bit of a change up in the team with uh, Burns going out to wing, who I thought has had a really strong start to his. Um, Bulldog's career. His Bulldog's career, the blue and white, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so he's been absolutely fantastic. I thought, again, that was another positive move. Shop had moments of um, just showing his strength and his ability, both in attack mm-hmm. and in defence. Um, there was times where he just manhandled players well um, bigger than him, players with way more experience than him. Um, he has to be in the team week mm-hmm. in, week out. And Burns, the the concern for me was that uh, if you move Shop into the into the centres and Burns onto the wing. Burns has had such a good start to the year that that might throw him off a little bit, but not not to be. He was, uh, again, one of the stronger performers, saving a try as well with his, his brute strength. I'm, uh, I want to add, uh, I was, you know, pretty positive. If I was pretty happy Aaron Shop named, named in the side. He was named on the wing to play. I was pretty confident that it was just, you know, in-out type of situation and just list him on the wing. I personally would have uh, shifted Naden to the wing. Yeah. And had Burns, because I think Burns is playing, you know, terrific. And I, I mean, he played terrific again against Manly, I thought as well. Um, but I've, I've just got a bit of a, you know, a bit of a theory uh, with Naden uh, at the moment. Uh, Brent Naden, I thought, played his best football at Penrith at right center. Yeah. And he's playing left center. I don't know if he's. Just something I've noticed, he doesn't he hasn't tried to pass the ball too much to Josh Adokar, the, wi- the mm. superstar winger. I see a lot he tries he backs himself. I don't know if that's just back him backing himself and being confident and just not turning up for him. But when I think of uh, Panthers, uh, the Panthers and you know Charlie Staines when he scored those tries, all those tries at the, his debut, how much work Naden put into all those most of those tries, getting him over mm. the line, um, and Naden was playing right wing. I don't know if it's a passing preference that if you could pass particularly one way and can't go back the other way. And if we, we're just obsessed with the idea of Naden out of car, just looks really good on one side. It just sounds good. Two superstar players on one side because Naden's a real talent. Yeah. If, even if it's a swap with uh, Naden on right center and Shop at left center, because Shop's been able to play, uh, he, he's shown he can play both sides of the, of the field. He played a bit of left center last year. So I don't know if, um, if Naden feels more confident going towards his right side and supposed to passing his left side with yeah. for the winger. So I don't know if that's just a thing or if Naden's just a little bit down in confidence, but I thought Naden plays his best when he plays right center or on the wing. So I thought I would have yeah. liked Naden maybe given a crack on the wing or a shuffle for Naden on the right side. It's definitely a, a uh, what's the right word? Something that's been brought up to me by a couple of different Bulldogs fans. But at this stage, we're three games in. They're three games into playing with each other. Um, might just be them needing to, like, you know, 
learn each other's games a little bit more. Yeah, possibly, uh, possibly right. So I'm willing to give them on that edge, uh, you know, another four or five weeks before worrying about any changes uh, with that one. Uh, in saying that, uh, I want to bring up Josh Adekar. Now, I think Josh Adekar has been, uh, his leadership has been really, really good since coming to the Bulldogs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to pose the question, is he trying to do too much in defence? Yeah, that's interesting point because yeah because he's he's obviously a leader in the team now he's the he's the vice captain as well um and like he when we're under the pump uh he i don't know if it's him in that leadership role he's feel like he needs to come in closer to the middle of the field to to lead his teammates if that's the reason but mm-hmm. i feel like he's been caught too far infield quite a few times and he's had to um Get the skates on, get and he's it. fast. We know he's he's one of the fastest in the comp. He's probably second fastest behind Saab. Oh, I'd Phil Gould disagrees. Fastest yeah, man on the planet. Yeah, yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see them go up against each other. Um, yeah. I know that manly youngster Cooler uh, is is putting his head up as well. Uh, but so he could probably cover that. But I've I feel like a few times this season they've gone down at a car's edge uh, and. Because he's he's quite tight into the middle of the field, they've even gone down his edge and made ten meters, twelve meters, fifteen meters, and start to get a roll on, or and a car's had to you know go up full pelt and then miss the tackle, or we saw on Monday, on Sunday night, sorry, um, he had one slip high and gave away a penalty. Yes, because he was, um, was backpedaling. Like, because he was again caught in field. Uh, the Adam Reynolds incident. Adam Carr was really far in. Reynolds threw the legs. Yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, and Corey Adekar, Riddell was, was all Adekar, the week. Adam Carr had been out of position. Like, that type of thing. There's times in uh, round two that I noticed that um, Adam Carr, in the second half in particular, this, this is more with the ball. Was pushing like physically grabbing Layden and throwing him out to the wing, uh, just to get more involved. So, so I don't know if it's just Adekar hasn't found his his feet yet at the club, which is fair enough. He's only three games in, um, or whatnot, or if it's him feeling like he needs to do more as a leader than he would normally would. But uh, and they're, they're not massive mistakes by any stretch of the imagination, but they're things I'm noticing in Adekar's game at the Bulldogs that I didn't. Notice him do at the Melbourne Storm. So mm, that's interesting. We might have to keep an eye on that and how that looks in the next couple of weeks as well. With what Josh Adekar, how it, how it is, if it's something that you know, maybe it's a Trent Barrett uh, plan to get him, you know, chatting yeah. to the team. So it'd be interesting to see if that's how it is, or if it's Adekar just on the field thinking that's what the team needs. Because there was even a kick Manly did on the short side, and Adekar had to try to charge it down because he was yeah. on the wing, and it ended up I. Look to me, it's Naden diffusing it. It looked like Naden was called back to help out. It's not that big of an issue, especially in the attacking side of the game, um, because you can have, like you know, Dravlovich played center and origin that type of thing going on. And I'm happy for Adekar to go to build the field and have some plays organized to him. Mm-hmm. Um, but in defense, uh, uh, seems to be causing a little bit of problems out there. Mm. In saying that, I think overall. Um, the defense has been a lot better this year. Yes, overall, the defense, you know, the, not many points have been conceded. It's that's the disappointing part because 
we've had the opportunity, even against, even against Manly and the Broncos, we had a chance to probably, mm. well, against Broncos in particular with the weather, score another two possible three tries in that Broncos game. We're just unable to crack Brisbane. Um, but the Manly one, you're willing to, you know, that rain was so bad. Um, yeah. It was shocking through the entire Sydney, getting hit with storms. That one just seemed to wait until kickoff before it wanted to uh, really pour down there. But I before we get to our points and all that, I just wanted to actually give a round yeah. of applause to the actual crowd in attendance. If you're a Manly fan or a Bulldogs fan, not as big as the Bulldogs vs. Broncos game. That's my little tease there. Um, but it was still over 13,000 Sunday night. It is not, the, it's been shown, it's not the greatest time slot uh, for yeah. crowd attendances. Um, but 13,000 people, I know there was a big hype around the uh, the grandstand, but you've got to also think Manly have been pretty poor in their first two games of the season. So that wouldn't have yeah. attracted too many more fans. Like they could well, have dragged a win along the way, but they didn't. Yeah, and then, well, I'm going to say it had a big effect, Scotty. I reckon the fact that there's under seat, undercover seating, a lot yeah. more undercover seating now. Oh, and, and the grandstand looked looked really, really good. So, you know, one side down, two to go at least. Well, Manly, keep working towards it. You've you finally reached 1999 standards. Congratulations. Um, there's the no, no, next little swipe at them. But, no. <laughs> but um, that 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 uh, stand, I think, is already you've already seen an impact on what what new modern facilities can do at, out at Manly. That there's no way that cr- that crowd's further than a half thousand without that crowd stand. Oh no, uh, yeah. But I just want to you know give them a round of applause for both uh, set of fans, the ones who travel for Bulldogs and uh, those Manly fans, because. That weather, yeah, as it is, like you got to face it one way or another. If it's from your walk from your car or your public transport or yeah. whatever way, you, however you get yourself to the football, you have to face it one way or another. And um, with the grandstand, yeah, the grandstand made a hell of a difference. You would have been so much more drier. Uh, you can almost forget about the rain almost, if you're, especially if the rain wasn't really going facewards towards Manly. But as the fans, sorry, the that end of the field, it was going it looked more straight down the weather, the uh, what the rain. However, but like you know, thirteen thousand people on a Sunday night. Um, well done to Manly for hyping up the grandstand. I mean, it's the best thing that's happened to Brookvale, and like you said, it looks like it's they've entered the nineties there. But you know, well done for them to pull the thirteen thousand. I think you know you got to celebrate. It's hard to get uh, sometimes over you know getting ten thousand crowd on a Sunday night, then add the rain factor into it. Um, and, you know, they gave, a, I think, the crowd a bit of a show as well for turning up, making it go down to the wire, both both teams. Yeah, I think both sides of fans would have preferred better performances. It was, I think, neutrals, I've said this a few times in the last couple of years, neutrals wouldn't have enjoyed that game. But um, No, that's probably correct. But at least they might have yeah, enjoyed absolutely. the closeness. Yeah, that's the only thing that saved the game. Wouldn't it be the closeness of the game, keep you interested till the 80th minute. Alrighty, we're going to do the three two ones now. It's got either player of the years. Um, a little bit difficult this week, given the conditions, given the low scoring, uh, and just, just generally the way the game was played. Um, I will start off. I've gone with uh, Josh Jackson with my three points. Two points I've gone to Corey Waddell and one point to Braden Burns. Now, Josh Jackson, the reason he got my three points is, well, you don't really need to say much, do you? It's a typical Josh Jackson performance. 63 minutes, uh, 16 hit-ups, 131 metres, 47 post-contact metres, 26 um, twenty-six tackles. You know, it, it's just one of those leading performances from Josh for me. 
um, in a game that's, you know, we've talked about the conditions, but in a game that's like that, it's the forwards that, you know, that you rely on, and I think he really led those forwards. Yep, fair enough. Uh, who did you have for three points, Matt? I went for Paul Vaughan. I went uh, so a bit similar. I thought uh, he played 54 minutes. I think uh, he's been looking around the uh, just over 40 minutes. He made 16 mm. runs for 146 meters and uh, 56 post contact meters. He, even, he had a tackle break, 29 tackles and zero missed next to his name. Those are the type of games as a forward. I think they get a bit excited because they relied on a bit more. They have to do the hard stuff, and I think that's what Paul Vaughan is. I think he loves the hard yep. yakka, and I thought he gets the three points for just you know doing the hard yakka and not letting anyone down in that game. Yep. And I've gone with um, maybe the most improved player in our squad for two points, Corey Waddell, like I said. He managed um, an 80-minute performance in those conditions, 13 hit-ups, 126 metres, and 52 post-contact metres. That is huge. Um for a second rower and for his body shape, that is uh, absolutely incredible. 33 tackles as well to back it up. So uh, similar reasons regarding uh, Josh Jackson, uh, but Corey Waddell, hasn't he turned into an absolute weapon? Yeah, he has. And I must say that he actually put the uh, the pressure on Daly Cherry Evans and I for that field goal he kicked. And I rewatched that again. It was a pretty ugly strike off the boot from... Cherry Evans, yeah, uh, they all, almost they all count. <laughs> they all count, but just the uh, the pressure Waddell another day that you know mm. screws to the side of the post because of his pressure because he actually changed the way he kicked it. He had to go a little yeah. bit on the angle to put the kick in, and he almost actually collected the ball. Still, it was pr- mm-hmm. actually tighter. I watched it again today uh, via the Ko Mini and seeing <laughs> how close he actually got there, uh, Corey Waddell. So I think that's a handy too. But my R uh, two points goes to I think he's one of my favorite players now. He's only been here for a couple of weeks. Mm. It's Braden Burns. Yeah. Uh, he played on the wing. I think he's just, I don't know, I'm, I have a real soft spot for him. He had 11 runs for 88 metres, 32 post-contact metres, two tackle breaks, one offload, 10 tackles. Also got the four-pointer with that little kick mm. from Matt Dufty. Uh, got the four-pointer. Um, Braden Burns. I, how, well, we spoke about him earlier. Yeah, how happy is he? When he scored that try... Like, he just looks like a very happy man. And also, sometimes, you know, a player can, can, you know, kick stone sometimes. Like, you know, some people could see a shift to the wing. He did nothing wrong at centre, and it's not like they're shifting him to keep, see if they can find a spot from the top grade. He had to be put in the wing uh, due to other players' performances and how to fit certain players into the squad just Mm -hmm. to get Aaron there. Some people could be like, you know, kicking stone team. Why do I have to, you know, move my spot to, uh, you know, the wing? Mm-hmm. And uh, I think Braden Burns, you know, I think he had a real like, you know, kind of the Jamal Alisi attitude that we found on the podcast. Doesn't matter <laughs> where you're playing, mate. You got, you know, you got to play in the backs. If you play right, left, or the wing, you got to do it. And you, you know, you just play your best. I think Braden Burns had that type of attitude. You know, he didn't never, uh, you know, didn't look like once he was upset by the yeah. fact he was on the wing. He was just happy to be wearing that blue and white. Absolutely agreed, and that's why he got my one point. <laughs> we would have stopped doing that. We always get the other uh, yep. players in the thing. My one point goes to uh, Brandon Wakeham, and you've mentioned it earlier. I thought we yep. looked like a better attacking side in the mm-hmm. first half, in particular the uh, first uh, twenty odd so minutes when before he got that unfortunate head clash, uh, yep. uh, had to be taken off the field for a HIA. Um, I know he just looked like a confidence. Pl- he looked much more confident. Um, it looked yep. like we could work off something there. Maybe I, I think he's. 
done enough to get the number seven against the Melbourne Storm and see how that works for a couple of weeks. But we just we can't if we, if he's the man right now. Yeah, we can't do this two week, three week uh, thing like what Kyle Flanagan seems to be hit with. Um, just you know, you have to give him a month at least, if not more. Just yeah, yeah it's eight to twelve weeks. Yeah. Or, Hopefully he gets it. Alrighty, that gives us our top three. Now looks like this in first place. It's still Matty Burden, who I think for the first time this year didn't pile any points on any of it. Yeah, yeah. So he's got eight points in first place. In second, Brandon Burns on seven points. Oh, he's and on in... the toes, nipping. <laughs> and in third place with six points, it's um, everyone's new favorite player, Corey Woodell. Well, I know he's your favorite player. I'll tell you what, it's making a huge impact on me. It's similar to the way Max King did in the uh, trials. Corey Waddell doing it in the when it counts. Alrighty, um, not that Max King has had too many opportunities. <laughs> I think Max King is doing is doing well. I think uh, particularly oh, yeah. One. yeah, he is one. absolutely. But uh, Waddell's making the splash at the moment. I think it's fair to say. Uh, we've got a few bits of news items, Scotty, that you got there that we've got to get through. Oh, we covered it a little bit earlier. Just Heverington season. I thought you had one or two others as well. No, that's it. All players related. Raymond for Mariner? Yeah, we've covered Raymond for Mariner. He's still five okay. weeks, maybe pushing it uh, still. So it looks like he's he's only running 75% of his body weight. So it really highlights their second row. But Jesus, I was just looking, um, and mm. while we talk about this, it gives me a chance. Jackson Topany playing yeah. in Jersey Flake. Is he? Yeah, playing in the flag. Um uh, which we'll we'll obviously talk about a bit later. Um, but playing Jersey flag, we got a. I I had him in my starting side this year. If you ask me to pick my best seventeen, I had him on the bench, I think. Um, and now he's playing flag. He can't make a cup. So yeah, even though, but imagine adding Raymond Fatala, Mariner, and Matt Dury back into the side. Um, it's interesting. It might have been interesting to see, like, would maybe just before we quickly tumble on our next topic. Just off the top of the head, would it be worth just playing Jackson Topany in the Mounties if he can't find a spot in this Wales Cup? Because I feel like he's at that part of his career. If he's not playing NRL at the moment, I think he's an absolute gun of a player. Yeah, I he should be playing I against really, men. I really like him. So um, maybe there's been a decision made by the coaching staff that it's better for him to go to flag and, and um, you know, earn. Well, not earn, but sort of build up some more confidence. I don't know. Um, I was away for the for the weekend, so I've really not followed. Um, I've got a few ca- bits of catching up to do for the yeah. uh, for the the lower grades, unfortunately. But um, yeah, maybe it's just a thing where maybe there's a quota of how many Mountie players need to be in the Mounties team mm. in the New South Wales Cup with the new agreement. So maybe they're they're good for second rowers. I don't know. I would have thought. Um, as I said, you telling me that is news to me right now. So live reaction type stuff happening here. Uh, but I would have thought if he's not playing uh, Bulldogs in the Source Cup, he would be in the Mounties team. I would have thought that's what the whole idea of having the Mounties this year would be. Um, but yeah, perhaps, perhaps it's one of those two things. Maybe they think it would be better off for him to be in the flag at the moment. Well, I hope so, because I rate him. And I maybe, he, maybe he listened to our podcast last year and said, I'm not wearing that jersey. <laughs> wearing blue and white. <laughs> well, uh, but yeah, I I rate him. I had him in my top 17. I thought he would be there somewhere. 
uh, because it's just also the the depth of kind of positions he can he can play yeah. a bit of hooker as well in the back row. I think you can put him almost anywhere and he'll give you a red hot crack. He's that type of type of bloke. But I also thought if he's not making the Bulldogs New South Cup side, and there is some players like Reese Hoffman, um, mm-hmm. who's there, Joe Stimson, you know, two not very bad options at the second row. Um, I would have thought, you know, maybe put him in the mountains because, you know, you're playing against men mm-hmm. type of attitude. You know, Jersey flag to New South Cup. Every player mentions that. Some players say that's a bigger jump up than go from Cup to NRL because you're playing against NRL yeah. quality players in Cup that you've yeah. played. You could have played 100 games, could have played 200 games in NRL, could have played 10 games or been in the preseason for five, six years and playing yeah. Cup. So some say that's a bigger jump up. So I would have liked him to play against, you know, men type of attitude. Mm. That's just my preference. But hopefully it is maybe um, maybe something he's coming off an injury in the offseason and they thought it might be the easiest way to ease him back into playing footy. Maybe. I don't know. But I was shocked when I saw his name listed in the number 19 in the second row. I was yeah, shocked definitely. because he led the team song in North Queensland. <laughs> oh, well, he's yeah, a, a tight man in yeah. there. Look, it's got to be... Something to do with the development or coming back from injury or something. It has to have something to do with that, surely. Um, you touched on the Mounties. They were down to Parramatta, 18 points to 12, which is disappointing. <laughs> on the weekend, you're representing us, boys. You've got to beat Parramatta. <laughs> yeah, I know, but I'm actually quite um, uh, proud of them in a sense. The Mounties, you know, being a mm. team, you know, having linked with the Bulldogs of two New South Cup teams, mm. practically the Bulldogs have to field and... They, um, you know, to go down 18-12, like, they're definitely putting up a, a fight. And, yeah. you know, some of those Mountie players might be eyeing a uh, potentially even Bulldogs and Wales Cup jersey as, <laughs> and then even fighting for a, a top-grade contract because, that you know, that's what you've got to do in that level. Yeah. But, you know, realistically, their roster is not the greatest in the thing, but they definitely fight hard. They haven't let anyone definitely. down. And a familiar face just in that one while you mentioned the Mounties, Kane... Uh, Kalachi is on yeah. the bench. Back Went from, to... uh, he's back probably still at Manly, mostly Blacktown. Yeah, uh, and yeah, uh, he's back at the, a familiar Bulldogs uh, face in the Manly side. But up next for the, the NRL boys, mm. they are heading down to Melbourne. Now, yeah, three games in a row for Melbourne at, um, at Amy Park. There you go. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. But uh, this is a Sunday, 4 or 5 p.m. kickoff, a nice 4 oh, 5 good p.m. To, kickoff. <laughs> Let me good to get out of that time slot, isn't it? <laughs> 4 5 p.m. kickoff. This one will also be on Channel 9 as well as Fox Sports or Fox League and KO. So there you go for mm. the, those who have free, only got free to wear or you know have the option to stay at home and not go out to the pub or whatever to watch that game. Yeah. So just don't put it on at 6.15, guys, because you will miss the game completely. I can understand if you're accidentally just used to it. Pretty sure <laughs> for one week only, though, because we're back at 6.15 the week after. Oh, don't say that. I know we are, <laughs> but don't say it. But, yeah, so 4 yeah. getting kick off. I was. I might want to start this little preview. We mm. Storm against the Eels. I just want to quickly highlight that. I was watching that game go to Golden Point, and when I saw Pappenhausen yeah. score that try and you know, mm. take it to Golden, uh, we're going into Golden Point. I was thinking, yes, and that little stat, Ryan Pappenhausen, when he scores against Eels, undefeated. Well, that's out the window. But I was thinking, yes, I need... I I was thinking Melbourne needs to win this game for us to have a chance next week. They've been put into two Golden Point games mm. in a row. Um, that takes your toll. That takes a lot of toll out in a team. And I was thinking, if they get the win, we have... Just my opinion, 
we have a better chance of beating. I know it sounds funny, a team winning than having a better chance of beating them. That's what I thought our best chance was to beat Melbourne, was if they get a win against Power, yeah, we have a better chance of winning. When Power scored that try and the way it happened, in my opinion, you know, it was very lucky off the good rebound. Oh, yeah, extremely lucky. I mean, but, look, kudos I think, to Mace, I think, chasing through, though. I want to say that. but You're 100% right, because like, I'll just make the quick point now that we're recording this on a Monday night, normally yes. recorded on Wednesday night. Uh, so we normally have the team list and all that sort of thing. We don't have that at the disposal mm-hmm. at the moment. Yep. So any suspensions or uh, you know little niggly injuries we don't know about. However, in saying that, over the course of the last two weeks, Melbourne have been very unstorm-like. Oh, god! And, and you're completely right. If they were to beat the Eels at Golden Point, you'd sort of hope from a Bulldogs perspective that they that the two wins would be masking their problems. Mm-hmm. And they wouldn't, yep. you'd hope, even though it's Melbourne we're talking about and they don't normally do this, but you'd hope that um, that would mask the problems and they wouldn't focus as much on fixing the problems or mm-hmm. the players themselves might not um, you know, buy into fixing those problems because they're willing. But now they've lost. <laughs> um, and particularly in the second half, it's very unstormed. And storm like I'll tell you what, I can't see the storm being unstorm like again three weeks in a row, or three games at home. And um, and um, sorry, I was just gonna say quickly. The other thing is, and like this is no surprise, but the Bulldogs team doesn't have the Bulldogs squad doesn't have the same quality at the moment as the Eels and the Raptors. Mm-hmm. So you throw all that into a mix. All I see is Melbourne have too much strike power still. Um, and I, I don't think it will be a smashing, but I think it will be a um, a win to Melbourne. Um, what's the right way to say this? Not an easy win to Melbourne, but a comf- comfortable win to Melbourne. So mm-hmm. I'm thinking 24-12, 30-12, um, something like that, you know. Not not a massive smashing, but um, a comfortable win for Melbourne. To me, this game is, I mean, this game is super important because, you know, we could have easily been 3-0 this other team. Imagine 3-0 when they're sitting up there with uh, Penrith, eh? And saying, hey, hey, look at we, we're just right below you because I'm just going to say we're below them because of our four and against because we would have been very tight. We would have won by one point against Manly and, yeah, that's right. Four, six, six points four against Broncos. Broncos. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was two points against Cowboys. Yeah. Um, but this game, because I was thinking, and it's something that I want to put in, how many close games can you lose in a row before it starts to hurt the confidence that you're just not good enough to win games? Yeah, I don't know. I feel like in the back of the mind, of especially some young players and Burton being a full-time 5'8", like from the moment Burton kicked the ball out of the full against Manly, I thought, well, Manly were going to win anyway, but I thought from the moment Burton kicked that ball out of the full, I was like, that's us done. That's yeah. just, we needed everything to go away from that point, like, you know. Um, but so many times, how many times can you go so close? We've already done it twice this year. I mean, yes, we won the first game. We lost the, we lost the second game. Controversial around that one. Um, but still, you had opportunities, and they would still, you would want, as a, win, an added, a winning team would say, yes, we probably didn't get a call. We should have got. However, we still had opportunities to change that game as a player. That's the attitude mm. you want to have. And then this one came so close, but yet so far away against the team who hasn't won all year as well. They mm. would have been um, 
which would have been a good time to verse them. I've got a feeling Melbourne are going to switch it on this week. I don't know why. I feel like, you know, most teams like to switch it on against us. Um, I would have feeling they switch it on. And I've got a feeling this could get really ugly okay. for us. I've got a feeling that it could be a 40-point ball game against us. And yeah. not that it'll be lack of effort. I think Melbourne, you know, I would hate to be, you know, anyone playing for the Melbourne Storm this week with Craig Bellamy as head coach because mm. he would be aware of those problems you're talking about that I've seen, mm. you've seen, and we're just some average blokes watching the football on the weekend. Craig Bellamy, the elite coach he is, and now it's bit him in the backside in one of the games and almost mm-hmm. cost him another one earlier. It's, mm-hmm. I think that would hit boiling point for them, and I think you know Melbourne would have a very, very tough week if it's constant video, constant you know extra training drills. Craig Bellamy gets very, very rough when things don't go his way um, with that. So I've got a feeling this would be the game where he'd be lifting everyone up for, and he'd be using this game as a good way to get players back into form. Yeah. So... And I've got a feeling, you know, Bulldogs, you know, they've lifted, didn't get the job done against Brisbane. They've lifted, the attitude's been there to get the job done. But how many times, I just say, how many times can you lose so tightly the two weeks in a row where you could have easily won or easily been the winners? Like, it's got to hurt at some stage. Like, we need to get a win. Well, hopefully um, we, the first three weeks, you just used the word lifted. Hopefully the first three weeks, we haven't lifted. And that's just where we're at, generally speaking, and hopefully we can so. lift this weekend yeah. against Melbourne and go from there. So Maybe I'm just concerned. Maybe my yeah. head's ringing because we're versing Melbourne Storm and, and know, they've been the Melbourne premier and, team. Melbourne and Melbourne, we've already touched on what's happened the last couple of weeks there. Then we follow up with Penrith um, and then South. So we, we knew this run was coming. We knew how important the game against uh, Manly was after the loss against Brisbane. To lose it by one point, it's heartbreaking. You would think... Um, you don't want to keep talking about it, but you'd think if, if we were to be smashed over the next three weeks, uh, the pressure on Trent Barrett uh, from the media would be um, at boiling point then. So mm. hopefully we can stay in touch with, with yeah. those teams. Yeah, that's yeah exactly right. Hopefully we can stay in touch. It would be, be a good compliment. If we lose by 12 points against Melbourne, mm. I would actually overall be pretty happy. I mean, th- this is, again, talking about I think we don't know the scenario if there's like players being sent off for injuries or whatever. But if we're going like all players play and we we get tight against Melbourne and push Melbourne, especially an impressive Melbourne who doesn't give an inch mm-hmm. type attitude, I think that'll give me some confidence back up. But I, I don't know, maybe my alarm bells ringing. Maybe I've seen Melbourne what they can do to other teams and making me thinking, oh no, they're going to do it this way. Because I thought, yeah, like I said, I thought if they they had scored the opposite way, like if they scored like off a you know, off a field goal that missed and they scored instead of the Eels, that, you know, that would have been a better chance for us to sneak in down to Melbourne and try to get a win. But hopefully, you know, you never know. You never say never. I'll go on game day thinking when we kick off that we're all every chance to win the yeah. game. I'm just saying this. Doesn't matter, what we, doesn't matter what we say on the podcast, does it? As soon as that kickoff goes, you could you could have tipped or predicted the Bulls would lose by 100. But as soon as that kickoff goes, you go, all right. Yeah, <laughs> we we, we got to win. <laughs> it could be round 25 and we lose yeah. the 24 games leading up to that game. Yeah. Or, sorry, the 23 that we play. And this could be our 24th yeah. and final game. And yet, I think we're in a chance. And if it's a home game, I'll be there in my seat mm. thinking we're a chance to win against the first place who's never lost a game all year. That's what yeah. we're like. Um, before I go rambling on about how how we're going to go, we'll go to Old Dog to finish off the show. I've got yeah. another one. You've rated my Old Dogs quite highly. I hope you like this one. <laughs> yeah. uh, gone a little bit different. I've gone for a player 
who I thought was actually underrated in his time at the Bulldogs. And he was actually a Bulldogs fan as a kid and a Bulldogs junior. He played in the forwards. He could play uh, prop and second row. I've gone with Corey Payne. Right, okay. The smartest ever football player, according to Phil Gould. He's the CEO <laughs> of the Penrith Panthers as well uh, for a, a short period of time. He's gone on to do, you know, union business, you know, business degrees, He's got degrees. He's not the classic forward, you know. They don't have the brains. Corey Payne definitely changed uh, that attitude towards the the big men on the football field. Mm-hmm. And the reason I want to highlight him, he actually had a really good career, and I've highlighted players so far who've had a really good impact in our club for, you know, playing, you know, sometimes under 20 games or, you know, those 20-game mark. Corey Payne... Corey Payne played 43 for the Bulldogs between 2010 and 2012. He played 41 for the West Tigers and 47 for St. George Illawarra Dragons. Uh, but for, And he also represented City, by the way, in 2012, uh, whilst at the Bulldogs. The reason I picked Corey Payne is I think he was one of the underrated players in that Ben Barber you know, era where ben, whatever Ben Barber touched turned into gold. And Corey Payne had that sneaky little cheeky offload. Everyone spoke about Pritchard and Cassiano's offload, but Corey Payne will come off on the interchange bench and he would do the uh, the same thing. His uh, work rate, I thought, was outstanding. He was that type of player who never let anyone down. He was that type of person. He, you know, he didn't, you know, have the career where he, you know, 300 games. He played 131 NRL games, um, and he was just so happy to be at the Bulldogs. I just remember when we signed him, Bulldogs Junior. He reminded everyone that he was a Bulldogs Junior and a Bulldogs fan as a kid. Uh, so he was a real bulldog, but I thought he was a very, very underrated player in the Ben Barber era. We all talk, you know, you all talk about Ben Barber, then you go, oh, what about the work by Pritchard? What about the work by Cassiano? What about the work by James Graham? But Corey Payne was definitely amongst them. And, you know, he would come off the bench and keep it going, keep it rolling. And I've never seen a player, I think he's one of the smartest offloaders that I can remember in Bulldogs history. He just, you know, some people get scared and they have a bad run and they, they freak out and they have to offload the ball. Corey Payne would only offload if the person was in a better spot than he was. It could contribute better. So I think he was a very clever forward, a very underrated forward for the Bulldogs. And uh, no frills, but just a good player. Absolutely. I can't really add much more to that, mate, because you got it right. I don't think anyone complained about having Corey Payne in their team at all. That is for sure. I'll add something just before we go. I just remember sitting at the eastern side of a core stadium when uh, Corey Payne was playing and he was taken off for an interchange and he was filthy with himself. He went for an offload and he decided, I remember he decided to pull it back in, decided not to offload and Ben Barber came flying through. He played the safe and he was taken off the field and he was grabbing at his, his jersey and he was filthy at himself. You could just see he was looking at the ground and a fan yelled out, a pretty decent sized crowd, you all right, Corey? And he turns his head up, gives a big thumbs up, and he goes, just filthy with myself, or something along those lines. <laughs> he was Everyone thought he might have been injured or was grabbing at the chest, and he was just he was frustrated with himself. And, that, you know, that's how much it meant to him. You know, took himself at a high level, had a, you know, high regard, you know. So I thought yeah. he's just that type of Bulldogs player he likes to be a part of, and he could have easily played 100 games for the club. 100%. All righty, Scotty. Um... We will touch, we'll say goodbye in a second. Mm-hmm. Um, just to, I know we're joking about this beforehand, but this last cup is currently playing. It's halftime at Blacktown, 18, or second half just kicked off. 
18 nil to the Bulldogs. Uh, I was just posting our little scoreboards to the social media as you were speaking about Corey Payne there. Uh, and I've also seen this uh, stat just came up. Rounds one to three defensive stats for the Bulldogs. This is from Bulldogs Kennel on Instagram. Uh, Round one to three defensive stats since 1998. We've conceded the least amount of points in the first three rounds with 33 points this year that we've had since the NRL started in 1998. So there you go. That's a bit of a stat. This next best I can see here quickly scrolling through was 2012 with uh, 36. And we know how 2012 worked out. It worked out pretty damn good. Yeah, almost all the way. Um, so, hopefully that attacking, to finish on a positive, uh, it's a great defensive stat. Hopefully that defensive stat can remain uh, against your prediction of this weekend, Scotty. Mm-hmm. And uh, the attack can hopefully start gelling shortly. But for now, that's us. Um, we'll touch on junior reps next week because um, we've got a few things happening between us. At the moment, Scotty, but um, we'll give an update on junior reps next week, so we'll miss out this week. Uh, and obviously, we'll have to touch base on the the second half of that Blacktown Seagulls versus Bulldogs game at Blacktown happening right now too. But thanks for listening, guys. Goodbye. <laughs>